0: Welcome to New Covenant Conversations. I'm your host, Gary Elliott, joined by my son, Stuart. We're continuing our discussions, inviting you to join us. This is episode four, where we're going to talk about how do we understand, even define uh, the term covenant. It may not be exactly what you're thinking. Uh, Also, we want to thank the uh, Brookwood Presbyterian Heritage Foundation and New Covenant Temple Foundation for their support in making these uh, podcasts uh, possible. Uh, You can also find us over at uh, NC Convo on Facebook, and we're still working, hoping to get our website up and going uh, very soon. Hey, Hey, Stuart, you there and ready to go?
1: I am, and uh, I am going to make a correction because um, our last episode went longer than typical. And so I think as I'm editing it, I'm going to divide it into two (laughs) episodes, in which case this would actually be episode number five. Um, so just to try to keep, uh, those synced up as best as we can so we can reference them perhaps in the future. Um, so yeah, episode five of, of new covenant conversations. And like you said, we are finally getting into, uh, a definition of covenant and then further, uh, definition of covenant theology. And we've kind of danced around it a bit, um, we've done a bit of spade work, I think necessary spade work in trying to, uh, set some, set some foundations for our discussions. Um, one of them was the creator creature distinction, um, which is going to be important to, um, have in mind and to further develop. Um, and then secondly, one of the important foundations was that of hermeneutics. And we tried to lay down uh, a foundation for interpreting scripture, uh, which allows us to um, to see covenant as a central um, sort of archetype, um, a central theme that unifies scripture. And then ultimately, um, Christ himself, the mediator of the new covenant that is drawing and um and and bringing all of our interpretation um to himself so that we see him as the center of all of scripture. I think that sets us up hopefully well um to lay down some guardrails to to allow to him in our discussion and interpretation so it doesn't go off the tracks. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and uh and helps us uh to have just a more refined discussion of covenant and covenant theology.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Well, I liked in our study notes how you started out. You said the theology of Scripture unfolded and related to God's central creational and redemptive purposes, culminating in the work, person, and work of His Son and His continued ministry as covenant mediator by messianic office of prophet, priest, and king. Uh, that, I think, is a very uh, well put uh, jumping off place to talk about covenant. How do we understand? what covenant is, maybe more so a working definition than mm-hmm. trying to really establish the- theoretical definitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a few other uh, observations that I think are also useful. One is from Ligon Duncan, which I think is really good too. He says, Covenant theology is the gospel set in the context of God's eternal plan of communion with His people, and its historical outworking in the covenants of works and grace, as well as in the various progressive stages of, of uh, the covenant of grace covenant theology explains the meaning of the death of Christ in light of the fullness of the biblical teaching on the divine covenants undergirds our understanding of the nature and use of sacraments and provides the fullest possible explanation of the grounds of our assurance. Um, I think that yeah. again is very uh, well put. It, it encompasses a lot, but it, it helps us see uh, the emphasis that we have through mm. scripture on how important mm-hmm. covenant is and what it entails.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I agree. I, I I remember running across uh Ligon Duncan's definition a while back and what I appreciated about it <clears throat> is it starts off in in his definition um with with the recognition that covenant theology is actually the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um but what what covenant theology does is it doesn't just kind of leave the gospel hanging in midair it mm-hmm. sets the gospel in its proper context and i think that's mm-hmm. what can be helpful for for christians um and we've talked about this before we're really trying to appeal to christians of all uh, you know all varieties um Anyone, any Christian, you know, wherever to, they may be in their Christian
0: right. faith, that's right. wanting to get better founded. And yeah. and that's, again, you know, going back to one of the illustrations we used about connecting the dots mm-hmm. or about the puzzle, putting yeah. the pieces of the puzzle together. Right. And that's really how we want to approach this. We want it to build up faith. I mean, when he concludes that as the um, uh, the fullest possible explanation mm-hmm. uh, for the grounds of our assurance, mm-hmm. uh, that's the kind of faith building um program that we're mm-hmm. wanting to be a part of, right. uh, to encourage folks into love and good works, to have assurance and confidence mm-hmm. in the work of God, what God has revealed, the mm-hmm. things that are revealed to us that assure us so that the things that are not revealed or the unknown things or the hard things that we face mm-hmm. do not um, erode or undermine our faith.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't, those things also don't allow the gospel to be truncated, and mm-hmm. and, yeah, and, and and brought down to a level um of, of the things that are that are passing away in these these momentary afflictions and these these temporary things that um, that are significant in their own right um, but don't get to truncate the gospel and and make its message smaller than what it really is supposed to be in um, as scripture reveals it uh, the gospel mm-hmm. is a big message it's a message that took all of Covenant History and dealings to unfold and mm-hmm. reveal, culminating mm-hmm. ultimately yeah. in Christ. And mm-hmm. so, um, what our covenant theology should do then is it should do justice to that bigness and to that overarching, mm-hmm. um, you know, aspect of what the gospel is. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, with that in mind, um, I do think it, it it would benefit us to to throw some caution out there um, mm-hmm. because. Uh, when we get into d- to definitions especially with uh, a word like covenant um, we could run amok by um, by starting off too specific <laughs> and so could can we just talk a little bit about um, where some caution uh, might need to be in in mm-hmm. dealing with sure. the term covenant itself and why it, it would, it's good to have um, perhaps a broad spectrum uh, perspective, and then begin to to to, to narrow in a bit um, as we develop covenant theology and specifically, you know, biblical covenant theology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah,
0: I know. I think uh, one of our discussions about hermeneutics or how we interpret, we talked about how the Bible uses a variety of different um, literary devices, and words are used, and in Scripture, words are not wooden. Mm-hmm. we tend to think of it that way and, and we need to be very careful about that but words have more of a, an elastic and um, more of a of a nuanced meaning so you have to consider grammar and context uh you also have to in- consider the the biblical um interpretation of how words are used and sometimes taken specifically theologically we have theological and non-theological references often very helpful uh even in reference to a word like Covenant uh, they're not always in reference to uh, the specific covenantal work of God. Sometimes they're covenants between people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do need to be careful about that. And and the challenge is we can come up with about as many definitions of covenant as there are studies, articles, and books that have been written. Right. And so we do want to be appreciative of that scholarship, but we also do want to be careful Uh, There are Bible words that are translated covenant from both Hebrew in the uh, Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, the Septuagint, and in the New Testament, Greek. And Mm -hmm. these words, the terms and the grammar are significant, particularly significant because given the um, uh, range of words that were available, Mm -hmm. uh, some studies have been uh, done that I think are very useful that show that other words could have been employed particularly in translation from Hebrew to Greek, but the words that were chosen to be used were specific and and passed over other available words. Uh, so that's that's useful. Uh, there are also some covenantal code words that are really useful for us too in the in the Scriptures so that it's not always just the word covenant, but we see covenant related to other important code words. One that's huge is Yahweh, or uh, we have it in our translation, Lord, all in uppercase l o r d that 's the uh, way of showing us that this is the Hebrew word, the covenantal name of God. This is why God says this is my covenant name mm-hmm. <laughs> and of mm-hmm. course, rooted in his self existence, his independence uh, and all of his um, non communicable uh, godness attributes mm-hmm. you know that's that's just huge. We have uh, the word promise. The word oath, the Mm. word testimony, the Mm. word law, blessings and curses, inheritance. All Mm. of those are covenantal code words. And I think people are pretty familiar if they're familiar with their Bible. Oh, those words, yeah, I I remember those words. They're um, all over the Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when we come to the New Testament, uh, we don't see the word covenant as employed um, as much, I guess you would say. It's significant, and there's some really important places where it's used. Mm -hmm. But what we find is in fulfillment and inauguration of Christ uh, and the new covenant, we find uh, concepts, ideas, and words that have taken over to indicate to us the fullness of the new covenant. And one of the best Mm -hmm. of all is kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so those are important things to keep in mind so that we're not too much delimiting or trying to build just a theoretical kind of Mm -hmm. uh, um, definition but really try mm-hmm. to take in the scope and, and, um, and uh, recognize how, as you said, this is really the way of promoting the gospel uh, to, mm-hmm. to our understanding of it coming to fruition. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some examples of, of these working definitions, uh, yeah. more so than theoretical definitions. Uh, here's one from the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, did you have any comments before I give some examples here?
1: Well, yeah. Uh, so like you said, as we're, as we're, uh, attempting to define covenant and covenant theology, you know, one of the helpful things is to look into scripture and see obviously the different, the different points along the line that covenant is employed. And, um, you mentioned the covenantal code words, um, and, you know, I think it'd be helpful to, to understand, well, the Bible is a book of literature, and so it employs mm-hmm. literary elements that we're mm-hmm. familiar with when we read any yeah. stories. And so synecdoche is one of those. We commonly use in our communications
0: right. with one another. Yep.
1: Right, right. So synecdoche is one of those where we'll, we'll use the part to stand for the whole. So, for instance, mm-hmm. um, in a phrase like, all hands on deck you know, a term in sailing or, you know, when you're on a, mm-hmm. a boat or a ship.
0: Um, now, we uh, take it and employed that to cleaning, cleaning the house. We're right. all hands on deck. Yeah. We're not on a boat. Right. You got to bring your feet too. That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so it's clearly you're, you're, you're using shorthand, um, you know, yeah. all hands <laughs> um, to say, <laughs> no, you, you, you need to bring the rest of your body as well. Um <laughs> But uh but we we find that um in, in scripture and it's actually quite telling um you know specific, specifically regarding covenant we find that it's quite telling the synecdoche words that scripture employs to mm-hmm. stand for mm-hmm. covenant because what we find is these these stand in words end up helping us understand something specific about covenant. For what instance, the covenant's
0: about. Right. Sure.
1: Yep. and 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 like you said that that sort of pattern and practice that emerges in scripture so we can we can begin to formulate a full orbed idea of what covenant is mm-hmm. by looking at these code words so words uh about promise or oath mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. or or sometimes the, even the covenantal formula that we that we read um you know I will be God to you, and you will be my mm-hmm. people, or, or, you know, mm-hmm. I will be mm-hmm. this to you, sure. and you will be this mm-hmm. to me is, is a, mm-hmm. is a force. So we see there that, that a covenant then, the covenant uh, affects a relationship between two mm-hmm. parties, oftentimes mm-hmm. between a greater and a lesser. But not mm-hmm. always. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about marriage as as a covenant uh, as mm-hmm. well. So we see that relational aspect there. Uh mm-hmm. it's it's a bond. Um and between, God
0: uses that to mm-hmm. relate his uh connection and communion with we his people. Yeah. I mean the marriage covenant uh is used extensively yeah. through scripture. Yeah. Um and, and not only that, it, I, I know there's a lot of emphasis on the communion aspect of covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the friendship, the mm-hmm. loyalty, those mm-hmm. aspects, which are really viable and important. But, of course, Scripture includes other things like testimony and law. right? And that's why we don't want to pit one against another. We need to exactly. see how these mutually uh, affect the formation of God's yeah. relationship with us.
1: Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I was getting at um, uh, with with that idea of let's not too narrowly define mm-hmm. covenant, but actually let's allow even some of the um the 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 range of code words that's used uh to stand in for covenant let's allow that to to build our full orbed understanding of, of covenant mm-hmm. and so we see that you know just like um you know relational language is used in covenant we also see law language used in covenant contractual mm-hmm. language mm-hmm. used um yeah, you know yeah. and so in other words we need to have the kind of approach to covenant that can encompass
0: all of that whole range, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because Scripture does. You're right. Yes, yeah, and and that also has been a bit of a, a testy point in covenantal studies. I won't, mm-hmm. I won't go into it into yeah. the historical uh, studies, disputes, and discussions. At least not here. At mm-hmm. some points, we may have to engage with a little bit of that, but um, that's a very very important point that we take what Scripture encompasses mm-hmm. and gives us to present a full-orbed understanding of um, covenant, God's way Mm -hmm. of dealing, his pattern and his practice, and ultimately the fulfillment of that in the incarnation Mm -hmm. uh, of Christ Mm -hmm. and his being the embodiment Mm -hmm. of the new covenant, uh, everything that was preparatory uh, for that, that God had planned and was working out Mm -hmm. and then coming to fruition in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Mm-hmm. so so one uh, one other thing that
1: you mentioned before getting into some of the working definitions um was was that idea between a working definition um and uh and theoretical you know definitions and so just i think that's actually a helpful distinction um can you can i find you, it helpful yeah can mm-hmm. you elaborate a little bit on what what you mean by that?
0: Well, I don't want to disrespect scholarship in any way. I appreciate it very much. But often what I find is that with a scholarly work, sometimes it becomes very narrowly focused. Uh, I'll give you an example. I was going to uh, wait for this, but I think it's a good point here. That is, some suggest that uh, any definition of covenant that doesn't include Uh, blood sacrifice or some uh, uh, um, recognition of dealing with the curse of original sin and death or doesn't have some uh, uh, reference to the grace of God in it, that those are inadequate. Mm -hmm. Well, that would exclude uh, God's relationship with Adam before the fall. Uh, And some question was, was that a covenantal relationship? So that's one big uh, difference in covenantal studies as to whether you accept Mm -hmm. God's relationship with Adam originally as being covenantal. Mm -hmm. And I I think there's good reason why. At some point, we'll talk more specifically about that. Mm -hmm. So I think that in theoretical definitions, to say that uh, any uh, uh, suggestion about covenant has to include um, redemption, in terms Mm -hmm. of of, uh, substitutionary death Mm -hmm. or God's operative grace, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's too narrow because Mm -hmm. it excludes God's original relationship Mm -hmm. and arrangement with Adam before Mm -hmm. the fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fact that Paul uses that relationship in a parallel between uh, the first Adam Mm -hmm. and Jesus as the last Adam. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so in, in Romans 5, so um and at some point again we'll we'll discuss some of that more in detail right uh, so that's what I mean when I say working definition versus a theoretical definition okay. I, I don't know if that's clear enough no that that
1: actually is is helpful um and I think actually uh, provides a An example of exactly what we're talking about here with being too careful or or being careful not to not to start off with too narrow of a theoretical definition, because you at the outset exclude some possibilities um, that Mm -hmm. that actually might be there in Scripture. But that's going to color your approach to them because you've already set and defined and stipulated the terms at the outset mm-hmm. um and so you know hope, hopefully that was clear enough if folks aren't familiar with what we're talking about here entirely um but but these things will come up as we as we get more focused on on specifically the administration with adam before the fall before sin um we'll have to address these things again but that is one of the mm-hmm. the guardrails um that uh that was helpful to have uh set down um beforehand so, all right. So, what are some examples then of, um, of some working definitions, uh, that that we see? Um, okay, in history let's start and- out with
0: Westminster Confession of Faith. Yeah, I think this is really a wonderful statement. And and one of the things you'll find is that some of this is more descriptive than it is uh, making a definition.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: yeah. Uh, so here here is a descriptive statement from the Westminster Confession of Faith. I just think it's wonderful. Uh, the distance between God and the creature is so great that although, although reasonable creatures do owe obedience unto Him as their creator. Yet they could never have any fruition, any fruitfulness of Him as their blessedness and reward, but by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which He hath been pleased to express by way of covenant. That voluntary condescension Mm -hmm. of God goes beyond just the uh, creator-creature distinction, Mm -hmm. and it goes to God's reaching down, God's accommodating Mm -hmm. to bring Uh, His image bearers into covenant, into union, into uh, fellowship, Mm -hmm. into adoption, into Mm -hmm. all of those beautiful biblical filial Mm -hmm. uh, references, Mm -hmm. and also in terms of, as we will see, a position and a place of honor to serve Mm -hmm. God originally. Yeah. And so yeah. a voluntary condescension on God's part mm. by which he has, he has been pleased to express by way of covenant. So what that uh, stresses
1: there that that really stresses the 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 covenant dealings of God um it stresses the emphasis on us his creatures um you know image bearers you know knowing God not just as our creator Mm-hmm. And, yes. and, and and just by virtue of being created by God, we would owe him, mm-hmm. you know, it, it would just be our basic, um, you know, creational uh, norm to owe him mm-hmm. all of our obedience, mm-hmm. All, mm-hmm. All, you know, all, all of our work. That would just be what we were created to do. Mm-hmm. And so it takes actually God's further condescension in covenant mm-hmm. for us to know mm-hmm. God as our blessedness mm-hmm. and reward. So
0: I think um, that's the root of the whole of the whole story of mm-hmm. covenant theology, Stuart, which yeah. is what you said. Yeah. Is that we know God as more than our creator. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we're anything more than creatures, mm-hmm. but it does mean that God has condescended to bring us into a special relationship with mm-hmm. Himself as His image bearers, distinct from the other creation. And, yeah. and here's another thought, um, maybe we'll address it another time, but best I can tell, there is no covenantal relationship with the supernatural creation, mm. the angelic beings and mm. the, the supernatural beings. Um, best I can tell in Scripture, there is not a covenantal relationship with them. Mm. Uh, and I think that's where Hebrews 1 even addresses that, um, mm. uh, reflects on it. It doesn't really go into detail, but I think that's what's behind the argument in Hebrews mm. chapter 1. Uh, Interesting. So that yeah. as far as to—and uh, when we look at the uh, elect and the fallen angels— uh, there doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be a covenantal relationship that they have with mm-hmm. God. I think that's mm-hmm. significant. Um, I don't want it to get too speculative, so I won't say anything yeah. more about that right now. But I, I yeah. really did appreciate what you were saying about that that special bond in relationship with mm-hmm. God that is more than the mm-hmm. creator-creature relationship. Right,
1: right. And, and recognizing that, um, and just to, to reiterate this, that we would owe God all obedience and diligence mm-hmm. just by virtue of being created by mm-hmm. Him, um, and that mm-hmm. and that wouldn't affect any further relational benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and in order to obtain that, it, it God condescends
0: to us. Yeah, um, and, uh, and and I think <laughs> originally to Adam, mm-hmm. this is another interesting point to come up in the future <laughs> interestingly to adam god offers a bonus promise that's right yeah he he offers
1: further glory you know glory yeah. glorified life, life. <laughs> a
0: special life yeah. a bonus promise of uh-huh. life that right is will be interesting yeah. to talk about yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and um and of course you know as we're seeing here this seems to be consistent um with with God's you know fatherly and and it, the overflow of his love um mm-hmm. is yes. is that God mm-hmm. God's love overflows to the extent that um that that further blessing uh further mm-hmm. glory is is offered and set um set out mm-hmm. before us um mm-hmm. so okay so so that's a helpful Working definition that gets at some of the things we've talked about already about the creator creature distinction, but also further the, um, the, uh, the way in which uh, God condescends and covenant to us and how important mm-hmm. that is to our relationship and understanding of that relationship. Um, so, what are some others?
0: Okay, here's a, a wonderful observation by Voss. The covenant is neither a hypothetical relationship nor a conditioned or conditional proposition. Rather, it is a fresh, living fellowship in which the power of grace is operative. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, that's a, again, I think it's a beautiful statement. Uh, It has a lot packed into it. It isn't so narrow, even when he references the power of grace being operative. He's reflecting on the nature of God Mm -hmm. uh, in his essence and not specifically about covenantal terms at this point. Mm -hmm. And he's emphasizing look, it's not hypothetical, it's not conditional. This is about fellowship with God Mm -hmm. in the richest, most real and wonderful way. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, you know, it, it, it would be um, good here to recognize once again, the need to, to have a broad understanding um, because when we talk about covenant and, and sort of the synecdoche terms, um, we do see conditional language being mm-hmm. used. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so You know, and I think I don't think Foss would disagree with that. And I think what he's getting Mm -hmm. at is something, um, something that's consistent. Um, Mm -hmm. But having that, having that broad, or
0: or not, as you said, becoming narrow and overemphasizing. There's a huge argument and dispute in the history of covenant theology over conditionality. Yeah, even the term being used. Right. I mean, actually, a a denomination split (laughs) over that. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, and um, so it's important, but like once like we said earlier, if you rule out conditional language um, and if scripture actually utilizes that language in our, in our understanding of what's going mm-hmm. on covenantally, mm-hmm. um, then you rule out at the outset um, what scripture does to give us a full orbed understanding of, mm-hmm. of covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so it, it might not necessarily be that conditions, are are present, but the way in which we understand their presence in covenant um, and I think that's a, a conversation that that we'll have to um, dig into.
0: yeah, I think that for me, I find conditions or conditionality to be connected to covenantal terms.
1: yeah, right. and I
0: think it's most explicit with Abraham, which at some point we'll get to and talk about. So once again, I think we need to find balance, the balance mm-hmm. from scripture. We don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just the word, we need to explain what the word condition okay. or conditionality means in mm-hmm. terms of covenant stipulations and mm-hmm. God's uh, covenantal dealing, his pattern and his practice. Right. And right. Uh, that, that is knowable in scripture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and also, um, you know, connected to that, um, you know, in what sense do these conditions operate? these stipulations mm-hmm. operate yeah. do they operate right. to affect mm-hmm. the relationship to affect the covenant and to bring you into or do they operate as a consequence of the covenant mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. um and so there's i mean that's really significant um yeah. is yeah. is it you know is your covenant relationship with god in in grace is it conditioned on your work and obedience or is your work and obedience um a consequent condition Of Mm -hmm. what God has worked in and through you um, by the Spirit and because of Mm -hmm.
0: Christ. That's one of the tension debates in reference Mm -hmm. to our understanding of how we are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you that that comes back down to what we talk about of the passive and active obedience of Christ. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, that's where it finds its fulfillment. uh, Covenantal conditionality finds its ultimate meaning and fulfillment in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and how that is. Uh, transferred to us, mm-hmm. how that transforms us, and so that whole question of conditionality then takes on a different um, connection mm. in in terms of our uh, relationship with the Lord. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and I think what you're describing there um, brings out something that we've already touched on in Ligon Duncan's definition, his his attempt. Was the fact that covenant theology is the gospel set in context, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. if you if you if you get what the gospel is and the centrality of Christ in in the gospel and and the fact that you know Christ is the gospel, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. then that's going to hem in and guard some of your dealings mm-hmm. uh, with covenant theology. It, it won't allow you to make certain statements
0: about conditionality. Right. Um well it shouldn't if we keep it in balance. Right. And if we really yeah. try to maintain that those parameters, those guardrails that you're talking yeah. about, um, yeah. and not lose sight. Yeah. Even when we get into the details, right. that we don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Yeah. So being guarded
1: by the gospel in a sense, mm-hmm. um, is mm-hmm. uh yeah. is one of those, you know, significant uh um, foundation laying and, and sort of guardrail uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, elements that uh, is, is important. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So that was a good one from, from Voss. I love Voss by the way. I think there's a yeah, lot, yeah. a lot there. He's that, done um, such
0: great work. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, well, the next one's from Sinclair Ferguson, also mm-hmm. uh, highly respected and and warmly uh, evangelical. When I say evangelical gospel oriented, I don't mean, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> cultural right. evangelical, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but gospel-oriented, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. here's what uh, Ferguson writes. For in one sense, there is no such thing as a covenant. It's not an abstract thing or commodity we can take out and examine, for it's not a reality a reality that can somehow be separated from the person of the Lord Himself. For ultimately, God's covenant with His people is not only found in Jesus Christ— it is Jesus Christ, mm. the new covenant, the final covenant, the covenant in which is experienced the fullness of God's promise. I will be your God, and you will be my people made in Him.
1: Mm. That's
0: good. Uh,
1: it's interesting there in his in his kind of working definition. <laughs> he brings out a lot of the elements that we've we've discussed already mm-hmm. well first of all um you see that synecdoche of the covenant formula i will be your god you will be my people um mm-hmm. and we see that that statement is a stand in for for covenant for uh yeah, yeah, it's covenant that's right. language um yeah and then um what we were just discussing this you know the jesus christ there's a sense in which the scripture reveals him as the
0: fullness mm-hmm. the fullness of the mm-hmm. new covenant it's it's um uh, he's the embodiment of the covenant i mean you know in the incarnation uh so that he is the embodiment of the uh, of the covenant uh that's what I think Sinclair mm-hmm. uh, Ferguson's getting at it's not just about jesus it is Jesus christ <laughs> I didn't mean to cut right. you off
1: yeah no that's that's exactly right yeah um you uh, know he he wrote a book um a few years back called the whole Christ um, where, you know, he develops that thesis out um, in, in a bit more detail, but he does it in the context of a, of a, of a controversy, a theological controversy in Scotland um, that involved the Merrow men and this book called the Merrow Mm of modern divinity. Um, But uh, you know, develops that thesis of, you know, the Christ, the whole Christ, him and all Mm -hmm. of his benefits. um, That is who we're brought into union with Mm -hmm. uh, Christ Mm -hmm. and all he's done, all he did and all he's done and what he's doing for us presently. Mm -hmm. That's who we're brought Mm -hmm. into union with. And that's who, that's who um, Christ, the whole Christ has accomplished all the demands of covenant life with God. um, And Mm -hmm. therefore we, by being united to him, um, uh, Live in the the fulfillment and the completion of mm-hmm. that, even as we're awaiting its final consummation mm-hmm. and fulfillment. But we live in that um, that relationship uh, because we live and experience the whole Christ, all of Him. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, the vital importance of our maintaining the reality. Of our union with christ the emphasis on our reality of the union Mm -hmm. with christ and that we have a special relationship with god and of course the world despises that doesn't understand it Mm -hmm. uh we're not being egotistical um you know we um are not being elitist in that we are most warm and open desiring others to know that relationship Mm -hmm. Uh, but as we examine what that relationship is from scripture that informs and um, builds us up, mm-hmm. and keeps us uh, in the conflict that we have with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and it's very real.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So um,
0: let's see. I, there's another quote I have here. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, 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 no. I was um, I was going to ask you to 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 give us what else you got there.
0: Uh this is one of your favorites, I think, from mm-hmm. Obama Robertson, mm-hmm. a bond in blood sovereignly administered.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a classic. Um, you know, Robertson's The Christ of the Covenants is a one of the classic works on covenant theology. And um, you know, it's a simple definition, uh, a bond in blood sovereignly administered. But, but once you get into it and tease it out, um, you know, you really do you see how the pattern and practice of Scripture feeds into this definition. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a it's a good one. I don't think it says everything, obviously, that we need to say. Um,
0: well, we it, already mentioned uh-huh. pre-fall, yeah, where there was no need for That's right. blood sacrifice, right. but but certainly um, his recognizing the outworking of that, mm-hmm. particularly after original sin, yeah, yeah
1: yeah exactly and i think you know historically robertson was i think trying to provide a middle way between Mm -hmm. perhaps two two approaches to covenant theology that were butting heads uh, a bit Mm -hmm. and having some difficulty uh speaking with one another um and so i you know i think that might feed into um um You know his his definition what his purpose was Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. exactly exactly but i do think it's a
0: good one as far as it goes um but but there's more to say (laughs) yeah um and i think well do you have more to say that that was the last example that i had like Mm -hmm. i said you could multiply this uh (laughs) ad nauseum uh, for for everybody who's written a study or an article or a book but uh i I think you had had some other um that you had some other uh statements you would come across
1: well, I was just thinking back. I mean, one of the earliest ones that I remember um, comes from Augustine. And um, and it's it's a real basic one. He just says covenant is agreement between two or more parties or two or mm-hmm. more persons. Um, and again, I think, you know, y- it doesn't say all that you need to say, but but with um with our initial sort of caution, um, I like the humility of that statement which just says mm-hmm. you know this is this is a a basic and broad definition um that's going to allow us to build and stipulate for, further as we get into it um uh, and and it 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 doesn't hem us in too much by um by putting unnecessary
0: qualifiers um on it um yeah and i think I think it's a good way of um, expressing uh, voluntary condescension. Yeah. If we said it in terms of God's work, you know. Mm -hmm. Another thing that it represents to us is that from early on, awareness of covenant in Scripture uh, was something deemed important. Uh, And historically, it has been worked out, even though there have been lots of um, back and forth, uh, sometimes not quite as friendly as we would would like (laughs) uh, in the discussion and in the development of the idea of covenant theology, the ideas, perhaps I should say. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, it is rich. It is uh, important. Mm -hmm. uh, It is beneficial. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: uh, we, you know, look into it with appreciation, Mm -hmm. but also with caution.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, um, so that kind of ran us through, I think, um, some attempts at, at um, defining covenant theology. Um, what about covenant specifically? Um, you know, we've already mentioned the word barit. In Hebrew, or Deotheka in Greek, or even in Latin, um, when you know uh, Pactum, or Foidus, or Testamentum, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, the when we look at the Latin translations of mm-hmm. uh, of Scripture, uh, we see those three. And words. And a lot of the early through.
0: scholars, reform scholars, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, back in the early ref- days of Reformation and that that uh, those generations, they were very um, aware and used, particularly drawing on the the history of Mm -hmm. uh, the church and and Mm -hmm. uh, councils and writings and so forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, as you said, in Latin, they employed the Latin terms Mm -hmm. in in an attempt to try to help clarify Mm -hmm. even the biblical meaning of these things. So, yeah, those are important. Um, I think, let let me say this uh, in terms of uh, studying covenant and covenants uh, in Scripture, I would give a couple of examples that I think could also be helpful for us, and that is, one is the Holy Trinity. Uh, Mm -hmm. The other would be the holy mysteries of God's means of grace. Uh, We Mm -hmm. get the word sacrament from Mm -hmm. Latin uh, through the Greek mysterium. So Mm -hmm. we're talking about things God reveals that we couldn't otherwise know. Mm -hmm. Uh, God reveals and says, this has meaning. This has effectual uh, presence of, of my dealing with you. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, so we look at baptism, we look at the Lord's Supper. I mean, the fact that the Lord Jesus says, uh, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, the new covenant in my blood, Mm -hmm. you know. And so when we look at the uh, teaching of the Holy Trinity or the Holy Mysteries of God's means of grace, it seems to me that there is more that we recognize there than we can theoretically define. Uh, And I know there's been great work done on the Trinity, and and I value that and I appreciate Mm -hmm. it. Uh, It's something we cannot exhaust. It's something we Mm -hmm. cannot fully grasp, Mm -hmm. but we can confess it and acknowledge it. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, the Trinity is the foundational doctrine of our Christian faith Mm -hmm. in terms of monotheism uh, Mm -hmm. and what sets us apart Mm -hmm. in terms of our understanding who God is, Mm -hmm. uh, the father, son, and Holy spirit. That is linked, of course, ultimately to the incarnation that has to do with the condescension of God by way of covenant. Mm -hmm. So, uh, when we talk about covenant uh, and we study it in Scripture, there's more we can recognize. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, um, we can't just fit it into a box necessarily of a, yeah. of a theoretical definition. There are other things that connect with it. Sometimes uh, conditionality is emphasized. Sometimes fellowship is emphasized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that one excludes the other. Right. Right. Um, and when we talk about that, how uh, effectual the means of grace are, you know, We want to be very careful that we don't fall mm. into some kind of externalism. We guard that. But at the same time, we don't right. deny that yeah. God is operative through His means of grace. Mm. And so that's true of covenant. Yeah. So a covenant yeah. of consciousness and a mindset that recognizes God's pattern and practice throughout Scripture, I think, is really healthy. I wanted mm. to give one example of this, uh, which makes me surprising. Mm. I'm not trying to define covenant here, but I want to give you an example of a Scripture that we should think of covenantally. And we're all familiar with it. It's John's prologue. Mm. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing made that wasn't made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then he concludes, uh, well, he goes on in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Mm. So this is well recognized as the prologue and the Logos prologue in John's Gospel. We don't think of it as covenantal. Uh, However, it's covenantal through and through, because Mm. he is referencing the Word of God, and covenant is Word-based the word of the oath. Mm. And so we have mm. the word of God not only as creator, but the one who is the perfect revealer of God the Father. As such, mm. uh, the word is made flesh and dwelt among us. And so not mm. only is Jesus the embodiment of the word of God, the living word of God, mm. he is the embodiment of the covenant, the covenantal mm. oath and word of God. Uh, so that that becomes, I think, more mm. apparent as we go along with the study and particularly with mm. the various aspects of what makes uh, a biblical covenant
1: yeah yeah well you think about too um some of the things that we've already mentioned about about covenant and and its connection to God's voluntary condescension well, how is it what 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 means does God use to condescend to his special creation other mm-hmm. than his word <laughs> and mm-hmm. um that's a theme that we that we recognize from the beginning of Genesis and god mm-hmm. um you know, with his word, uh creating and then calling forth Adam, breathing life into him, uh, mm-hmm. making him in his, in his image, and then giving him his 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 word, his oath and bond um mm-hmm. his covenantal bond uh you know and and the the stipulations of that relationship there um and here we have John revealing um like you said, with that covenantal consciousness, we have John revealing that well, well, it was. The second person of the Trinity um, is the means by which God condescends to his people. And of course, we have a very earthy (laughs) example of of this in the gospel of actually Jesus taking on human flesh and Mm -hmm. actually the word Mm -hmm. being made Mm -hmm. flesh and condescending to the point of Mm -hmm. humble flesh, um, humble Mm -hmm. humanity. Um, yeah. So the covenant sort of that's opens where the that up. story
0: takes on its reality. Yeah. In yeah. such a way that it's so concrete. Yeah. And of course, it's the most disputed thing: Jesus, the Son right. of God, the God of right. man. Right. Um, but it's the one, as we said earlier, that Paul parallels with you know being the new Adam for a yeah. new humanity, yeah. of uh, you know from redemption and covenant yeah. relationship with God. And Jesus said this again: most earthy, most real. Mm. This cup is my blood of the new covenant. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so um we're going to we're going to wrap this up so that we can um Oh, we have so much
0: more to talk about. I know, about.
1: I know. I'm I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to end it so that we can spend a new episode um, talking about uh, the extension of this which is recognizing the pattern and practice of covenant um in uh in scripture and uh and some further developments there. But um I think this is a good place to kind of round this out. Um, and, uh, and, and, and just recognize that, uh, you know, we tried to do a couple of things in this episode, which was, which was, uh, zero in on, on, on covenant theology, um, a little bit more, um, and, and, and provide some cautions, um, for how we might develop a definition there. And, and just to be mindful, um, to, to start, to start, broad and then and then narrow in um as you as you stipulate your definitions um and then once again realize that uh you know this really it has to bring us back to christ and his gospel if we depart from that then then you have you've you've gone wrong you've gone down the wrong track <laughs> somehow mm-hmm. in your development of of covenant mm-hmm. theology it must bring you to the word himself um our savior jesus christ so uh, that's that's all I've got to to add there, um, unless you uh, have more to more to say, um, you can sign us off.
0: Well, I think so. And I think we do want to be uh, mindful of uh, staying focused and having folks be able to um, consider the things that we're saying and not getting so extensive. I mean, I could go on and yeah. and we will go on mm-hmm. uh, talking about these things. I do think that it will be helpful when we talk about God's pattern and practice and begin to see Mm -hmm. specific elements of that pattern and practice. And then Mm -hmm. we actually go to the historical revelation Mm -hmm. uh, of the story of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're trying to lay the groundwork here. and We're trying Mm -hmm. to show that these things are interconnected. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's it's a good discussion. Um, I hope people will find benefit from it. it. It thrills me, encourages, and builds up my faith. Uh, the more we talk about it, mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to our being able to c- to continue on in these discussions.
1: All right, very good. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us, joining us for um, New Covenant conversations, and uh, we will be back soon with the second half of this discussion. (laughs) Um, And uh, like you said, dad, we will be getting into the actual historical unfolding of these things um, and the rich scripture revelation of those things. And I I hope folks are going to be excited to dig into that. Um, Until then, we will uh, see you next time.